It's a very large-scale project using sex-skewed semen on a terminal cross, commercial cow-calf ranch in Montana, with hopes of showing improved profitability and sustainability for the rancher. In this episode, we learn first about the project and then how it's relevant to us as ranchers on this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. And welcome to this episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Mills, and glad to have you joining us for this week's episode. Before we get started too far, I would like to thank our sponsors of this episode, the North American Limousine Foundation, the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator, and the American Simmental Association, and the American Hereford Association. Speaking of Hereford, now, if you have the latest January-February issue of Working Ranch Magazine, Turn to page 78. There's a good article there by Jamie Pullman. She writes about the Schultz family out of Haviland, Kansas. They've been running Hereford cattle since about the 1940s, but some really good information in there about the influence of Hereford genetics for the commercial cattlemen. So check that out if you would. The Working Ranch Podcast is made possible by Working Ranch Magazine. Now, if you're not receiving this publication, I would encourage you to check it out. And if you'd like, you can find more information at workingranchmag.com, or you can also give me a call here as well, and I can help you set up, uh, get you set up with your subscription. My email is justin.workingranch at gmail.com, or you can give me a call or text at 307-363-COWS. You can give me a call about Working Ranch podcast or a topic you'd like us to cover. Please uh, feel free to drop me a line as well. Well, our program today is going to provide us with some insight into a partnership between ABS Global and the Bear Ranch located up in Montana, as they've now jumped full scale in the middle of a very large project using sex-skewed or sex semen in a commercial cow-calf operation. Now, for myself, this is a project I'm kind of excited to learn about because it's something that, as a commercial cow-calf man myself, uh, it's something that I think can really have some interesting information as this project continues on. So I'm excited to learn about it and I'm excited to follow it as it progresses. So that is our subject for today. Also, we'll be checking in with meteorologist Don Day on the weather. But for right now, we're going to check in with the captain, Tim O'Byrne, publisher and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for Tim's Two Cents. Hey, Justin. Hey, Working Ranch podcast listeners out there. You know, Kevin's coming up here pretty quick for some of us. And, um, these ATVs, these side-by-sides, we're going to rev them up, get them out on the on the roads and in the calving pastures. And I just want you folks to think about how have you taught your kids how to handle and ride those machines? They're not to be taken lightly, and safety is the utmost priority. And, you know, over the years, I've tested quite a few of these machines out. And kind of, you know, being the cowboy that I am, I kind of like, you know, "Eh, I don't know about a helmet or not. I couldn't really find anything. They're kind of, you know, constricting. I didn't really like it. But being the cool dude that I am, I went to Harley-Davidson and checked out what they've got. I found a $100 skid lid. It's just a nice black matte finish, kind of a cranium cushion. It's it's really good. It feels good. Uh, it, It feels secure. And it feels like I'm actually being protected here. 
And this is, again, something to be taken very seriously. I slapped a working ranch sticker on it. Um, you could paint it. You could paint your ranch brand on it or do some funky stuff on it. But I'm telling you what, it's a good thing to check into. If you want to be cool like me, go to Harley-Davidson, get yourself a skid lid or find some something online. Protect yourself. Teach your kids how to ride these machines and respect them. Justin, back to you. Thanks, Captain. Good advice there, because the last thing that we want to say is, if only I had of. Thanks, Captain. Well, stay with us. Coming up after this break, we're going to jump right into our main topic for this episode. And joining me will be folks from ABS Global and the Bear Ranch to talk about their partnership. We'll be back after this. Kaching. More pounds, more calves, more profit. Studies show Hereford Genetics increased net profit by $51 per cow per year. That's $20,000 in additional revenue for a typical 400 cow outfit. And calves sired by Hereford bulls continue to add value through the chain. A documented $30 per head in feedlot profitability. That's real money and real results. Get more ka-ching. Come home to Hereford at Hereford.org. I mentioned this in last week's episode about Working Ranch Magazine, but if you're in the research phase of your bull buying for this year, I would invite you to sift through the latest issue of Working Ranch Magazine because this, folks, is where the industry leaders promote their bulls and their upcoming sale information. It's all there. You're going to find it all in one spot. Well, as I said earlier, I myself, I'm a commercial cattleman. That's what we do here on the X-Ring Ranch is uh, in northeast Wyoming is mostly a cow-calf operation. Of course, we grass some cows in the summer as well. But what intrigues me about today's podcast is that this project first is being done on a working ranch. And it's not in some controlled pseudo-type environment. Also, its focus is on commercial cow-calf ranch with terminal genetics with a desire to produce their own replacements. Now, from my own experience, I do see the value of having consistency in your cow herd. That is a big deal in management terms. And without a doubt, the technology of AIing, which has been around for many, many years, is one of the quickest ways to get there using your choice of genetics. But there's pros and there's cons when it comes to AIing that you'd have to weigh out. The cons, for example, the overall cost in terms of semen, time, labor, and then, of course, half for steers and half for heifers, which is part of the focus of today's episode. Then you have the good side, the pros, improved genetic traits that you want to see in your replacements. And then a big deal that I think is important is consistency in the look and the run of those replacements. So again, not saying yay or nay about AIing. However, there are things you must consider, especially if one of your goals is to raise replacements out of your herd. So it brings us to our topic today of using sex-skewed semen. Now, while the concept of using sex-skewed semen is not relatively new, the idea of using it in a commercial cow-calf operation probably not as common due to the concerns on the economic return to it, which is what makes this partnership project between ABS Global and the Bear Ranch located up in Montana very interesting for those in the commercial cattle business. And I think it's going to eventually have some good information for the purebred business as well. Now today I have three guests joining me. Kenny Wells with ABS Global, also Lacey Sutherland with ABS, and Treston Vermandel who will represent the Bear Ranch. I'm going to first to you, Kenny, and if you could explain first 
with the Bear Ranch. I'm going to go first to you, Kenny, and if you could explain your role with ABS, then tell us about the technical perspectives of this project. You bet, Justin. Um, yeah, as you said, uh, I'm, I'm with ABS Global. I'm in the product development department in the beef side of our business. Uh, my main role is with a, a prepara- proprietary line of uh, terminal genetics, but uh, in this case, I kind of got the opportunity to work with uh, with Lacey and the Bear Ranch here on a on a project that we thought was pretty interesting. Um, the big opportunity that we saw with an operation like Bear Ranch that's that's pretty progressive is to demonstrate a a system where we maybe more optimally combine the use of maternal and terminal focused genetics uh, instead of those kind of dual purpose genetics that so so many folks um, do use today. I, I think we, we kind of hold a little bit of a belief in the company, or at least some of us do, that uh, dual purpose genetics maybe leave some money on the table in some aspects for producers. And, and we're uniquely positioned in that we have our own uh, sex semen product uh, in Sexcel, and we also have a proprietary line of terminal genetics called New Era Genetics uh, that we've developed at ABS. And so, um, you know what what we've proposed and, and what our company has, has advocated uh, for the last couple of years is a is a system to try to generate um, replacement females using our sex semen product, and then breed the rest of the females to a more terminal focused bull uh, to try to gain some more profitability for producers out there today. And so um, the way we've gone about that is proposed a system where you breed uh, approximately 60% of the females um, to with sex semen, with X skewed semen, female skewed semen to, with the goal of making all your replacement females from those, from that portion of the, the cow herd. And then the remaining 40% of the cows get AI uh, with a more terminal focused kind of a bull and, and, uh, on paper, that system works out to, to give you a, about 30% of your calf crop as, as females from uh, a sex-skewed sex semen from a, a maternally-focused AI bull, and, and it gives you the opportunity then to have about 70% of your calf crop either from a, a terminal-focused AI sire or a, or a terminally-focused uh, natural service sire that you've, you've turned out to clean up those cows. All right, and Kenny, we'll come back to you in just a moment, but I, I want to now turn to Treston Vermandel, who is uh, kind of represents the Bear Ranch. And Treston, I'll ask you another question about more of the details of the Bear Ranch, but first, introduce yourself and your initial role with Bear Ranch. Yeah, definitely. Thanks, Justin. And yeah, I'm the farm and ranch manager for U.S. Bank, and I manage numerous properties, ranches across Montana, North Dakota, Wyoming, but the Bear Ranch is one of my biggest ranches that I deal with and everything runs through U.S. Bank and myself and all that it entails. Okay. And the Bear, Bear Ranch is a nonprofit that was left to U.S. Bank from the Bear family. All right. And you're located up where in Montana? The Bear Ranch is located in Martinsdale, Montana, okay. central Montana, between Harlowton and White Sulphur Springs. Now, and I know when I was talking to Kenny previously, and I think people need to understand, I'm going to have you explain a little bit about the whole dynamics of the Bear Ranch, because we're not talking a little 30 cow outfit here. This is a working and a sustainable, very large ranch. So I think the advantage for ABS was the fact that they could deal on a very large scale and get some good data with this project. So explain a little bit about the Bear Ranch, uh, you know, what type of cows you're running, calving dates, just kind of the management element of the Bear Ranch. 
Yeah, definitely. And I'll go back a little bit history here. So Charlie Bear, he came to Montana in the early 1900s and fell in love with the place. And it started as a sheep operation scattered across all South Central Montana. And that's how he kind of got started in the whole egg industry. And at one time he had, they say, up to 300,000 sheep scattered across Montana. And he was one of the big egg producers. And then he got into the cattle side of things. And as we progressed, he passed away in 43. And he had two daughters, Alberta and Marguerite. And when Alberta passed away in 93, she left the, the Bear Ranch into a foundation through U.S. Bank. And so it's the Bear Ranch Foundation. It's two separate trusts where we focus on grants, scholarships, research, and funding to continue the Bear Ranch and continue to keep it a working ranch and show people and what we're producing and what we have to offer. And then going back, it's right now we have, it's a 900 bred cow operation. We try to keep between 200 and 250 replacement heifers coming back every year. Right now we have 25 hundred ewes that we lamb out as well and like i said it's an operation that we do everything in-house whether it's haying lambing calving and it's a fifty thousand acre ranch that's very sustainable and we just want to keep it a working running ranch for montana and for the whole region just to learn from now, if you guys had an AI program in the past, as I see you're keeping about 250 head of replacements every year, have you been in an AI program previously? Yeah, we've been part of the Carcass Merit Program the last 15 years. And for our status, we are, we're always involved in some research projects and AI projects or projects of research projects of any kind. So yes, for the last 15 years, we've been part of the Carcass Merit Program. Our cow herds are Simangus. Okay, okay. So a kind of a terminal cross to start with from there. Yes, sir. All right. Well, stay with us because after the break, we're going to continue this conversation as Lacey Sutherland joining us as well. We're going to hear from her as she's kind of the boots on the ground for ABS on this project and working with the Bear Ranch. Back after this. It's an uncertain world out there, but here's a simple reminder from the crew from the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator and the American Semental Association. Moving forward together. IGS. We collaborate. You profit. Look fear in the face and press on. Simi strong. Life is tough, but so are we. Sim genetics. Profit through science. Count your blessings. Another sunrise, a new start. Stand together. Stand strong. Semental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast, and my guest, uh, we're going to visit now with Lacey Sutherland, who is with uh, ABS as a sales team leader. And Lacey, we've talked the technical details of this project. We've uh, talked to Treston on kind of the makeup of the Bear Ranch, a really good operation to get a large-scale test project like this developed. But you're the one that talks with the producers, the ranchers out there that are wanting to improve the genetics in their herd. So from your perspective, what is this going to do for your clientele? You know, as ABS Global and um, Matthew Cleveland would be the head of our research and development, and he came to us as managers 
oh, a little over a year ago and asked us, you know, t- said one of his goals for the year was he was looking for a large scale ranch that he could go out and use this project on and to provide real world data and put it to work. And we do, we couldn't have asked for a better ranch, a better team of people than the Bear Ranch. I mean, they're research driven. They understand the importance of collecting data and collecting it correctly. Um, Stoney and Casey, the team on the ranch, they're with Treston, just great people. They they do what we ask, they get it done. Um, we got to get them here through this first calving season. The one thing that we did change up is prior to this, um, they sync the cows AI, but they didn't do time breeding. And this year we um, decided to use time breeding on those cows. So we bred all the cows. We bred them in two groups. We bred a group of the steer pairs and a group of the heifer calf pairs. And uh, we bred all the cows at 62 hours. Mm-hmm. So we bred, um, and the heifers, we also bred 200 of those timed AI. So we bred 250 cows each day, um, all in one day in a, within a couple hours. Um, where I come in is I picked the crew as far as technicians um, that came in and did the AI projects for ABS Global. We had Alan Tinsman there, we had Travis Klein, and we had Sam Berg from right there in White Sulphur Springs. He would be the local rep next to the ranch. We set up the protocols, we bring in the supplies, we just... Um, I'm just kind of the hands-on between the Bear Ranch and ABS Global to get that done. Um, the other thing that we've done here in the last year that we started this project is we've DNA'd the entire cow herd as well as um, the replacement heifers. So just getting off to a really good start. Super excited to be able to use this ranch as a story to tell. And it's not, um, you know, you go to talk to your producers and you you talk about a program and without the actual real world data, this is the return to the producers. Money talks, right? So when we mm-hmm. can take this um program that we've put so much work into and we can say this is the success story this is the real world data this is the carcass data this is the return back to the producers i think that's an invaluable project kenny i want to go back to you and as you started this project last spring with the first breeding season is there a finality to do this or how long of a project do you guys plan this to be I think that um, we don't see an end date necessarily. I think we, we want to work with the Bear Ranch as long as uh, as they're willing. And, and certainly a project like this is something that it takes multiple years worth of data collection to have a, a good, solid uh, data set that you feel comfortable, um, you know, using to make recommendations to, to other producers out there. And so, you know, you can always see something a little abnormal in a single year or a single breeding season. But once you've got a a few years of that data kind of layered in there, then then you get really confident about that and your ability to use it to, to make recommendations to people about their livelihood. How are we going to see data roll out from this project as it continues on? I think that's a, that's a good question. I think uh, as we begin to get uh, information, I think really this spring we'll have some good information about, you know, kind of confirming last year's breeding season results and uh, certainly by the fall, I would think that we could uh, begin to kind of uh, put together some preliminary information that, that, that might be useful to continue to um, just keep the interest up in this project. Kenny, from the beef product development side, I'm going to ask each of you guys this same question, but from, from the beef product development side, what do you think is the biggest thing about this project to me it's that it's that ability to demonstrate to producers uh, um, an opportunity to use both technology and our sex semen and and technology in terms of uh, improved terminal genetics in the best way to be the most efficient uh, on a ranch I mean we've had you know sex semen's been out there for for a long time now um, 
and, and so have terminal genetics, but I don't know that anybody's ever really dug in and said, this is the best way to apply it on a, um, on a commercial ranching level. And so I, I think that's what gives me hope is that there, there might be a way, you know, forward here to, to utilize those technologies in a, in a really efficient manner. Mm-hmm. Tristan, I'm going to ask you from the producer side, kind of the same question. Uh, and I know, I mean, I know you're, you're representing us bank, but, but you're, you're a ranch person yourself. You've grown up that way. So you understand the dynamics of, of the ranching side of things. So, what do you think uh, on behalf of Bear Ranch is the biggest takeaway that you're hoping to see out of this project? We're just excited to get get the research and see the results of this and using the sex semen and just seeing what kind of genetics we can continue to develop. And like Lacey and Kenny said, just real, real world boots on the ground research. I mean, we're a large operation that does things how they used to a hundred years ago if you want to say i mean we're just a big ranch that wants to show real world mm-hmm. results and give people the opportunity to see what we do and to show the research and how we're trying to develop and give back to montana and the region Lacey, i'm gonna same similar question but i'm a rancher and tell me what this is going to do for my bottom line um, the biggest thing I think, Justin, is it gives you the opportunity to go ahead and from a maternal standpoint, you get to create those good, solid females. We all as ranchers have those cattle, that those mama cows that we look out and we're like, you know, if we could have a hundred of cow number 201, mm-hmm. we would have a heck of a set of calves. And this gives them the ability to do that. It gives them the ability to pick their top cows and breed them maternal and breed the rest terminal and come back and look at that carcass data and get that return and a higher profit off of whatever avenue they take to sell their calves. And the biggest thing with a lot of ranchers, you know, they're selling them at weaning. So if they take those cows and they breed, they keep those good replacements out of those good cows, they're going to have a higher weaning weight and a higher return the day they sell their calves. Or if it's a producer that retains ownership on their calves, same deal. We're hoping to prove to them that they can sell them on a carcass basis and get a higher return to them because they took the time to productively and constructively breed their cow herd for 60 or to come back with 30% maternal after AIing and then breed the rest of those terminal to get a greater return to their bottom line. Well, I do want to thank my guests today, Kenny Wells and Lacey Sutherland with ABS Global, as well as Treston Vermandel with the Bear Ranch. And as we conclude our conversation today, I think it's imperative that we here at the Working Ranch Podcast check back in on this project down the road and look at the results from a lot of different perspectives. Things like breed up rates, calving rates on these AI'd cows, among some of the results that I'm interested in, as well as just the bottom line, the economics of it, because that's what it's going to matter at the end of the day. So again, thanks to my guest today. By the way, if you'd like more information about this, uh, you can also go to ABS's website at absglobal.com for more information. And like I said, we will keep you up to date what the results are of this project as it continues down the road. Well, stay with us because coming up next, meteorologist Don Day will join us as he's going to share with us how historical trends of solar minimums can predict our weather as far out as 10 to 11 years. Now, if you're like me, you're thinking, okay, I'm interested, but first, you kind of lost me at solar minimums. Well, stay with us. We'll answer that question right after this. If you could do something today that would bring you profit tomorrow, would you do it? In the cattle business, it's about efficiency. 
And with Limousine Genetics in your herd, your profit is just one calf crop away. With Limousine or Limflex cattle, it's more pounds naturally to sell at weaning. It's growth and feed efficiency with the added benefit of carcass merit. The other side of the profit coin with Limousine Genetics is the maternal efficiency, docility, and longevity of your cows and bulls. It's as simple as Limousine Today, Profit Tomorrow. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Podcast. Meteorologist Don Day joining us again, and thanks for for being here today. I know everyone is kind of getting a little tired of hearing La Nina this, La Nina that, and it's just kind of, (laughs) at some point, it's kind of going in one ear and out the other. But today, I want to, what I want to know is, based upon historical trends of a strong La Nina, you've said that it comes at the bottoms of solar minimums. First, just real quick, explain what a solar minimum is. So every 11 years, the sun goes through what's called a solar cycle. Uh, a very active solar cycle would include a lot of sunspot activity. So when we say there's a lot of solar activity, there's a lot of sunspots. So without going too deep into the weeds, sunspots are different fields of magnetism that causes the sun's output of cosmic rays, iridians, and a few other things to change. And these fluctuations go through these 11-year cycles where you have a very, very busy period of a lot of sunspots, and then you have a very inactive period of low spots. We are just now at the bottom. We just got out of the bottom around, oh, probably May or June, to the solar minimum, where there were very, very few sunspots for a two-and-a-half or three-year period. Now we're starting to see sunspots again, and we're going into the next solar cycle. The most important thing when we look at these solar cycles, and you had mentioned the connection to La Nina, is is that if we were to go back on these 11-year cycles, one thing that we find out is is that there tends to be stronger La Ninas at 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 the solar minimums or very close to the solar minimums. We tend to see that's when the strongest La Ninas happen. Now, you can have La Ninas during solar maximums, but they're not as intense. So what's interesting, Justin, especially if you look at the last really dry period was 2011 and 2010 into 2012. The one before that was 1999 to 2000, 2001. Those are all spaced roughly 10, 11 years apart. So it's no coincidence that when you have these solar minimums and you get a La Nina, they're going to be strong. So what we're always concerned about is that when we get these La Ninas at solar minimums, they tend to last longer than a solar maximum La Nina, which usually means they can go one to three years. That La Nina that we had in, that started in 2010 and went through 2012, that was a two-year period, but especially 2012, that was really dry. We did cycle out of that. That is exactly what we'll probably see again. I hopefully will see that again. But since we're at a solar minimum, this La Nina is probably going to last through all of 2021, probably through the growing season again. And we're hopeful that 2022 or 2023, we cycle a lot of it. But the one thing you're concerned about is since we are at the, the strongest solar minimum, this is the most intense minimum, solar minimum, since the 1860s. So this just isn't a solar minimum. This is one that could make this La Nina more robust than it is now 
into 2021's growing season. Don, I, I think I said this in an earlier podcast, but, you know, people are probably just going to think, why do I keep doing this? You know, <laughs> but but I, I guess the value that I see in this is that I, I think when it comes to weather, if we can understand trends, it can help us make better management decisions. That's absolutely correct. And the thing is, is that if we were to go back and look at these trends and these cycles, once we start to see this La Nina weekend, whether it's 2022 or 2023, we will have a wet period again. Mm. We will get out of it. Understanding where you are in these La Nina and solar cycles is really important on knowing where you are in the trends. How does this affect, because we've talked about this being a little uh, drier in the western part of the U.S., what about the eastern part of the U.S. and these La Nina patterns? What you tend to see is that both El Nino and La Nina really affect the western and central parts of the United States once you get to the central and eastern Corn Belt. So if you were to take just the western half of Iowa and the, 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 the South Dakota, North Dakota, Minnesota border and go all the way down to East Texas and go west to the west coast, Along and west of that line is where the impacts of La Nina and El Nino are the most intense. Once you get into the eastern Corn Belt, the Great Lakes, and the east coast, the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic tend to really temper the La Nina and El Nino effects because we're affected in that western part of the United States by the Pacific, almost completely dominated by the Pacific, and La Nina and El Nino are a Pacific phenomenon. All right, Don Day joining us for our weather outlook. Stay with us when we return. We'll wrap up our program and talk about what's coming up on our next episode of the Working Ranch Podcast. Sound familiar, right? It should. Part of the commercials that you've been hearing for the past year from the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator. We've talked a lot about it, but have you tried it? So let's just talk plainly, candidly. No music, no ha-ha, funny sound bites, just rancher to rancher. The Feeder Profit Calculator is free. There's no hidden costs. Now, they can't promise that because you use the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator this upcoming marketing season that your calves are going to blow the doors off the sale barn. They can't promise that, but, but here's what they can say. That if you get an extra dollar for those calves, does it make a difference? Well, 100 calves at 500 pounds and a dollar more this fall gives you an extra $500 to the paycheck. And it didn't cost you anything but a few hours worth of work. So you know what happens when you do nothing? Nothing. The IGS Feeder Profit Calculator. It's free. It's fast. Period. Well, before I give you a heads up on what we will be talking about on next week's episode of the Working Ranch Podcast, I would first like to thank our sponsors for today, the American Cemental Association and the IGS Feeder Profit Calculator, the North American Limousine Foundation, and the American Hereford Association. Also, a thanks to the Captain Tim O'Byrne on his two cents. Good safety advice he offered today as we head into calving season and those using ATVs and side-by-sides might think about a helmet. So good advice today from the captain. Also, a thank you to Kenny Wells and Lacey Sutherland with ABS, as well as Tristan Vermandel with the Bear Ranch on this exciting new partnership project that they have and looking forward to seeing the results from that project. Well, next week, I invite you to join me as our topic will be on Walmart's beef supply chain, how it got started 
and how it's affecting and will affect the livestock industry moving forward. By the way, if you do have questions or ideas for topics on the show or would just like to get a hold of me, you can do it by calling or texting the studio at 307-363-COWS or you can shoot me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com. This has been a production of The Working Ranch Magazine. Thanks again for joining me on this episode. I'm your host, Justin Mills. And until next time, keep your chin down and your mind in the middle. So long.